Welcome to The Art of Mindset with your host, me, Brian LeSage. Today's guest is one that takes more leaps and risks than anyone I've ever met thus far. He's so bold that he even stepped on a plane to take a one-way trip to Brazil, completely leaving the UK behind. He even resides there still full-time. John Sharp is a mindset and transformational legend. He helps cultivate new mindsets around health and identity through behavioral changes. And let's be honest, we never start there, and neither did he. Throughout his journey, he's transformed his own life in such a way that broke the molds around what he thought his place was in the world. It's never easy. It takes dedication, determination, and most of all, drive, as John says. And from finance to mindset, John and I discussed the tools and tips he used to change his own life for the better. Be sure to stick around throughout the entire episode to catch all the tips he drops in it. And without further ado, welcome on the show, John. Happy to have you here. Man, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So one of my fun activities, and again, this conversation will be fun and then engaging, but one of my most fun, if you will, activities to kind of do with my guests is I love to spin back the wheel of time. You know, time is an illusion, right? It's a premise in which we all have to live through, but let's roll back the wheel. I want to know who John was on the playground. Who was he as a kid? He was probably uh, he was a pretty pretty annoying child for his parents most of the time. Highly energetic, like loved to get involved with sport. Always been academic, and that's what ended up leading me into into banking. But I was one of those kids that I was fortunate to to be at least academically intelligent from an early age. So. I used to get things quite quickly in class and then spend most of my time just disrupting everyone else. And so that was uh, that was the annoying child. When I look back now, I think, Jesus, my children grow up like that. That's, that's going to cause me a headache. So that's why I was in the playground. But I like to think I was quite good fun, even if a little obnoxious at times. I love it. Yeah, you're the class clown, if you will, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you got into sports, you got into other things to fill your activities. Was it creative? What was the basis of your time? As a kid? No, not really. Like, I, I mean, I've always played music. So I always played the piano and I sung. Um, so that was my like creative outlet. But most of my time was dedicated to, to either football in the sporting like space or soccer, as you guys would say. And, um, and academia really like I, I once I got past a certain age and stopped playing the class clown I was like right I need to get my head down and start actually taking this seriously and that was when I basically just was from the age of I don't know 15 16 I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna head into to the world of investment banking had these big ideas that I was gonna run a hedge fund and that was me anyone who knew me was like this guy's going for wow. going for the finance game wow big dreams big dreamer coming into high school, if you will, at that yeah, point, yeah. thinking, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to be a finance guy. What yeah, is... Change the world, maybe. <laughs> change the world. A good way or a bad way. Yeah, a definitely. Fund, yeah, if you're a hedge fund guy, I don't know what kind of change you're going to make, but you're going to make something yeah. happen for Some somebody. Change, yeah. um, that's that's incredible. And I, I love that, just knowing where you are now, and we'll get into that journey and that transition I'm very curious, as we're growing up into our childhood or through our childhood, we have usually influential leaders or influential members, if you will, right? Or individuals in our life that really influenced us. Who were they for you and what did they instill in you? 
for me, it'd be my parents, um, for sure. Like in terms of leaders, they, the thing they instilled in me was that I, if you work hard, uh, it was that idea of work hard and you'll get what you deserve. Um, and, and that's really, that's always stayed with me in a really positive way when I was in finance, but also now when I'm building my own thing. So I think it's an important lesson to learn. Um, yeah, I think that was the, that was the main lesson. And so as a kid, I did it like, yeah, once I'd finished mucking around, um, I got my head down and, and I did work hard. Yeah. 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 And then you're, you know, you're moving through and you're getting these ideas of being into finance, you're going through, you're pressing inward and pressing down hard, if you will, going into the hustle grind, if you will. In that, what's, what's John's biggest fear back then? It's a good question. Probably, probably not making it, you know, like I had, I had a pretty well-defined goal, which is like, when I look back, the benefit of hindsight, it was well-defined up to a point because I literally had no idea what the world of finance really looked like, but I wanted that and I would tell people about it. I would say to people when they're like, oh, man, do you really want to go and run a hedge fund? I'm like, well, someone has to. And so I think the biggest fear would be not, not making it, not living up to, to my potential in, in that respect, because people around me would always tell me, oh, you can do great things or whatever, you know, like you say to a kid. And so then you start to build this fear of failure into you, which, you know, later on starts to come out. I think in a lot of people, like in their twenties and they're like, where does this come from? And then you look back and you're like, ah, it was the childhood. There was the, there was, there was a one side of, of what we're taught by our parents or a lot of people are with the, get your head down, work hard. There's the other side where you're praised for academic achievement. And then you start to think, what happens if I don't achieve that? What does that do to, to my self-worth as, as an individual? So that would be, I think that's what he would fear, the, the younger me, of not actually making it. Even though I had great belief and confidence in myself, I think there's always that. There's a driving force there. Yeah. There's a back of the mind that just says, yeah, what if you don't make it? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a part that I think a lot of people can attest to and even align with is this drive of what what if I'm not successful and where's this definition of success come from? And like you're saying, it's childhood, right? It's societal upbringings. It's these belief patterns. And in that regard, you're you're moving through high school. You got this mindset that this is going to happen. There's no other option. In that drive, when you're 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 moved out, how where are you at now? Are you you get a bachelor's in finance, correct? You go to yeah, yeah, I, I university. Went to university and got a, a bachelor's in, in economics. Yeah, and yeah. you're taking that and you jump straight in, right? You're going right into stocks. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Equity. Yeah, I, I jumped. So when I was 21. I graduated and I got a graduate job at the London Stock Exchange. Um, and it was a great grad role. Like, um, and I came in pretty early. Most of the people were a little older than me because they'd either taken some time out or they had master's degrees. And um, we rolled around. It was like a rotational program, just like any of the investment banking programs where you'd roll around different departments. I started off in Milan in Italy because they owned the Italian Stock Exchange. So that was my first job ever was in the Italian Stock Exchange in, in Milan. And it was an incredible experience. And I actually really, I really enjoyed it because for me, it was, it was like, right, you leave university, this is your independence and bang, straight to another country. So I was learning Italian. Um, I was meeting some great people and, and you know, the job wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was a rotational thing. And then I came back to London 
spent some more time there um, and, and started to, to kind of cut my teeth in finance. But I still had this idea that I wanted to move across into what they call like the sell side, um, into investment banking. And so a few years after I started to make that move. Yeah. And what is, what is John feeling at this time? You say you're jumping over to Italy, you're learning their stock exchange, you're doing all the sorts there. Are you feeling as if you're running the right path? Do you feel good in that regard? Yeah. I mean, I, I did actually. One thing I actually remember feeling is that when I arrived in Italy, um, I didn't know anyone. And I was just like, Jesus, like I just left like London basically where all my, fr- all my friends were and everyone was, was there doing their thing. Everyone had their grad roles and, you know, everyone was like meeting up all the time. The social scene was great. And I just dropped in the middle of Italy. I was like, I literally have got no friends. <laughs> so uh, so that, that was kind of intense. But as soon as I got through that, I started to meet people. The Italian people are amazing. So they were very friendly. They welcomed me. Um, and then I was like, I actually had an amazing time there. Um, but truth be known, I was, I always had one eye on getting back to London because my, and this was naive of me, but it was what I thought at the time, things are a bit slower in Italy. They're a lot more relaxed. People enjoy living life. Imagine that. London was very like, you know, more like New York style. It's like hustle and bustle. Let's just go and get it. And I was 21. I was like, yeah, that's what I want. You know, fast forward a few years and I look back and I'm like, huh, Milan might have been a better long-term option. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, it could have been a spot, and maybe it was a, a influential moment to like see that point. Do you do you ever now look? At, you say you do, right? But does it ever like boil up and say when you first were thinking about leaving? And we'll get into this in a second. But I know you left finances, but did Italy become a fundamental component in which we say, well, maybe they had something right there about slowing down? I, I think they've got an awful lot right about slowing down. But at the time, I never thought that. I loved the people. I loved the experience. And, you know, they still work hard. Like, don't get me wrong at all. But I, I don't know if I had this naive perception that it should just be, like, head down, you know, the whole time. Like, we used to leave for lunch. We'd go for a full hour. Um, we'd go to, like, a pizza restaurant, have a pizza, go for a coffee after, come back, feel, like, refreshed, ready to work. In London, when I finished in banking, like, I was just – it was out, grab the food, back at the desk, carry on. It's no life. You know, and like I look back now and I say the Italians had it right or have it right. Have it right. Yeah. And I think that's that's a huge component. And you're learning this and you're saying, I need to get back to London. John wants to get back to London, get back into the London Stock Exchange. Is that where we're trying to aim? Where are we trying yeah, to go? That, well, that was, that was where I was working at the time. It was the same company. You know, it owned the Italian Stock Exchange. So, uh, And so I, I was going to be going straight back into the London Stock Exchange to do another rotation in, in what ended up being equity primary markets. And that was... Yeah, that was. I did another year and a half, I think, there before I moved over into a into a bank. Wow! So now you moved out. You finished your your rotations, if you will. You moved into a bank. What are we doing there? What's our What's our goal? Yeah, I mean, the goal was the initial goal was like you know to hit managing director, like to to move up and then, and then move on to the buy side, which is the the basically where the assets are allocated. So we were advising people with the money. The people with the money would decide ultimately where they wanted to put it. My role was to cut my teeth in in the advice space and then move across to actually allocating assets. And that was that whole idea. By that time, I was necessarily going to go to a hedge fund or whatever, but that was the idea, right? To move on to the buy side and, and do something like that. But um, you know, I, as soon as I got to the bank, I was like, mm, I was starting to look at things culturally, the way I was feeling about it, and I was like, ah. I'm not so sure 
this is this is going to be the path for me. Just a little seed, you know, nothing more than that. But like, started to have some thoughts that I was like, hmm. <laughs> I didn't you think know what this was really going to be like? <laughs> Do you think Italy <laughs> placed John this? back in school didn't, didn't really <laughs> understand? <laughs> Yeah. Do you think Italy had any part with that and like planting those seeds? Um, or was it something else of maybe the work-life balance wasn't happening or yeah, what was slipping? Honestly, I wasn't, I, I, I realized as soon as you're, when you're working 12 hour days mm-hmm. on, on something, you better be real passionate about it. Otherwise it's going to be a serious grind. And at some point you're going to burn out. And I think that just applies. If you can look at that, if the desire and the passion isn't there, at some point you're going to hit a brick wall. Certainly if you're not, like you might be able to do eight hour days like that and as long as you've got work-life balance. But if you're driving 12 hour days, 13 hour days, at some point something's going to break inside you and say, "Mm, I don't know about this. Plus the fact that the culture was just like, I'm a pretty social guy. I like to meet people. I like to chat to people. I like to think I'm pretty friendly. It wasn't, that, that wasn't the culture. You know, I was an analyst in a pool of analysts. Everyone's got their head down. I was talking. I was turning back into the class clown. And everyone's like, oh, this guy just shut up. <laughs> and so seeing that you're again in this 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 data analyst or research analyst mindset where you're all hustle and bustle, you're letting the class clown, if you will, come back out. What is John feeling to find a kind of figure himself out again? What, what are you filling your time with? Because obviously the job's not filling that Mate, anymore. Truth be told, I'm just going out of the weekends and just drinking too much and just partying too much mm-hmm. because I'm just like obviously hating what I'm doing and there's an outlet required. And at first it's like, this is just like being young in London is cool. But then you're starting to get to the stage where you're actually just going out so much on the weekends that you're getting to Monday and you're like, oh my God, like, how am I going to pull a 60 hour week here? Right. And so many people, sometimes people use the term like weekend warrior. And, um, yeah, I just get to a, got to a point where I was like, I don't know if I, I can't carry on like this. You know, something's got to give here because this isn't sustainable. And also like, I'm just not, this isn't the identity that I thought I was creating. Right. Cause, cause the guy who goes and builds the hedge fund, yeah, maybe they go out and like, I know there's like stereotypes around what the, those guys do, but let's be honest, they're much more focused on what they're doing. They're not going out just to, well, you know, perhaps the more successful ones are not going out just to, to forget about the week. Um, I'd like to think those who turn it into a real career and a passion and a, and a, and a life. And I was like, there's something wrong here. Um, you know, I'm looking for an outlet. And so I started to look at my career and I was like, maybe this isn't right for me. Maybe I need to make a change. So there's a lot of people that are probably can align with that and even adjust and feel that same thing resonate with that, if you will, um, about finding themselves, maybe COVID as a catalyst, if you will, to say, maybe I'm not doing what I should be doing. How did John or what even words of advice would John now tell the younger John at this point to do that, to take that, to, to, to find what he or she actually wants? I would honestly not change anything that I actually did. Um, What I did was I started to, so I had a frank conversation. I used to own an apartment in London with a friend. So we bought it together and uh, I had a frank conversation with him. I was like, look, I don't think I can carry on with this career. So like I'm certainly not carrying on this line of work. Like I'm either going to change slightly or I'm just going to quit altogether. So we had that conversation that meant like he was on board with just selling the the apartment um 
And then I started to get my finances in order just to prep for, for leaving. I had two options at the time. I could have, I could have taken a different job somewhere else um, and then just sort of carried on being a slightly different tangent. But I thought, I just didn't feel it was right. And so I, I made sure I was in a decent place financially so that I had savings because I didn't know what I was going to do. And so that's what I would, I would say to, to younger John, like, just make sure you've got some savings, right? Don't just like quit and have nothing. Make sure you're in a place at least that you can support yourself so the pressure isn't coming down of I've got to get another job. Ideally, you don't want your hand to be forced. Ideally, right? Not everyone's in that position. So I got, I got myself into that, that space and then I, I handed in my notice. And the first thing I did was fly to Brazil. And I would do exactly the same as I did again and again and again. That's incredible. I have to say, just figuring that out and deciding to, to you know, get your finances straight. Brazil, what's what's in Brazil at this point? <laughs> Rio de Janeiro, man. I was like, I was just like, I need to be as far away from here as possible to work out what's going on. I needed to create some space because I clearly wasn't aligned with what I was doing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had an idea that I wanted to build my own business. I'd always had this idea. I think a lot of people do, a lot of driven people. They're like that. When they're working for someone else, I'd love to, to build my own thing. At that time, I had no idea what I was going to build. And so I was like, well, I'd love to travel. Um, I'm just going to fly one way to Brazil and we'll see where that ends up. That's something that a lot of people can't, wish they had the, the had the ability to do, right? Or even the courage to do that. So how how is... How are you able to even factualize that and say, I need, this is happening without a doubt, not pulling out. There is no, I'm pushing all in on this. How, how, how are you buying in so hard? So like looking back on it, I'd reached breaking point, but I was, I actually can't go on now. And so it, it almost helped in a way that my hand was forced. So my hand was forced to leave. And yeah, as I said, of course I had the choice to, to, to slightly change my career. Maybe I could have gone into a slightly different sector of finance, insurance or something, right? It was a little less intense than investment banking, right? Much more social would have suited me better. I could have done that. And and there was a consideration, but it, it just, it wasn't pulling me. So I was like, well, while I work it out, I don't know when I'm going to have this opportunity to travel again. And I'd never, I'd been fortunate to, to visit places on holiday when I was growing up and with friends, but I'd never done backpacking. So I was like, well, this seems like a cool time to do it. I was 26. I was like, let's, let's do it. So, so I just went and, um, yeah, it was a, it was a cool experience. I was a bit wet behind the ears, you know, I was a little naive, um, about what exactly that entailed. Um, but it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Again, you got to say just being able to pull the trigger on that, that's, that's massive. And, and definitely, like you said, wet behind the ears, a little excited, a little eager, but you found in something that you were not, you knew a, a transition or a adjacent move, if you will, to insurance investing or whatever would not have been enough. Somebody that's wanting to take that leap right? Or maybe it's not moved to Brazil, but maybe it's to start a business, to stop working for somebody else. What would you say to that person or that listener? The, the first thing I'd say is, is it was the same advice that I'd give to myself. It's like, just make sure you're in a position as best you can, like, cause everyone's going to be different, right? I was in a fortunate position where I was earning a reasonable amount of money so I could put some money away. And, I, and so I was like, right, I need to make sure I'm just stashing as much 
money away as I can in the lead up to leaving. I'd say do that as much money as you can, whatever it is, just get it away. And then think, if I want to create some space and time, can I then move to a country and travel that has a lower cost of living? Right, because if you're going to be in the States or you're going to be in the UK, just like renting a place while you work out what to do, you're just burning money every month. If you can just backpack through South America, staying in dorm rooms and paying 10 bucks a night, you can last a lot longer. So I'd say think about like basically arbitraging the cost of living to being like, okay, um, I'm going to take the money I've earned here in dollars or in pounds or in euros. Um, I'm assuming, you know, if people are in the developed world, like parts of Europe, at least in the US and, and the UK, take that money and make it last a lot longer while you work out what's going on. And you honestly don't need that much then. It's not like you need a war chest. Yeah, that's true. You know, change your environment. And that's that's been a testament to a lot of people with just trying to figure out who they are is shake the shake the world up a little bit shake up your environment that you sit in um and see what stands afterwards is that how we found ourselves where we are now where we're thinking hey i need to help other people in this in this space yeah i mean it was um it was a rough journey though like from so that was five years ago almost to the day it was the beginning of march i flew out so it was almost five years ago and um like that one is so cliche. And everyone's like, oh, you... and obviously all my mates were taking the piss out of me. They're like, hey, look, he's going to find himself and all this stuff. But the cliche is kind of true because you create the space and you put yourself into a position where you are having experiences that you wouldn't have opened yourself up to before. Certainly not working in banking. You know, next minute I'm backpacking through, through Rio, meeting people from all different parts of the world with completely different backgrounds. And I'm like, wow, this is interesting. Because when you're in banking, you meet lots of other people who are in banking. And so surprisingly enough, they have a pretty similar mentality. You know, they're not clones of each other, but, you know, it's, everyone knows what it's like to work in, in, in the city. Um, and then you're meeting people with really different experiences. And suddenly you're being challenged with some of your beliefs and just everything. And you're like, wow, okay, this is interesting. So I carried on traveling and I went through all of South America and, and um, ended up in... Mexico and then flew back to the UK but I just want to be like it's easy to think that that's and then I went back to the UK and I built my business and 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 then all was fine but when I got back to the UK I had a bit of a crash because everything that my identity was up until that point had sort of come crumbling down because then I was like I don't know what I'm going to do I had to move back in with my parents because by that time the the savings were Mm. I wouldn't say dwindling but they were certainly Maybe they were doing this. They were trending that way. And, uh, they were certainly trending downwards. And uh, and I was like, oh, I can't be renting a place in London or in, even in Essex where I grew up. So I moved in with my parents. And I remember just sitting in the spare room at my parents' house staring at the wall. And I was like, I honestly don't know what I'm going to do here. Mm. Um, and and a long story short, like I ended up going to the GP and I spent two years on antidepressants. Mm. So it, it's it's like a – I always – I'm always as – as open and honest about this this part as I can be because I want it to be clear that there are challenges along the way. It's not like, oh, I quit his job, went to Rio, lived happily ever after. It was a real bumpy ride in between and there were some real battles with mental health that that all go back to things around like childhood and how we grew up and identity and all of this stuff. And it can be quite surprising when it creeps up on you, particularly if you've seen yourself as a successful person beforehand because mental health doesn't happen to successful guys but of course it does, you know, you can have problems there. So, you know, that, that was, that was in 20, when that was 
2018-19 and um, then I took the decision to leave the UK. Uh, I I flew back to Colombia where I now live and again like, I didn't I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I, I landed here. I didn't know anyone um, in Medellin where I now live and I, I got a job as a as, as an English teacher at university. That was how I started out because I'd qualified as an English teacher while I was traveling. Um, and I was like, oh, that, that can work. So that got me a visa. It had me some money coming in, uh, but it wasn't my passion. Like I could just feel it. I was teaching, I was fine. Yeah, it was good. But it wasn't, it wasn't passion for me. So that's when I started to think about health coaching. Because I was like, how can I build in my own experience with mental health? And my experience as someone who's always taken care of their physical health and build something that's, you know, like a health coaching program. Um, so that's when I started to do that back in 2019. Wow, that's an incredible story. You know, just going through that, that regard of, you know, having to go back home to UK and struggling in that and figuring yourself out again. And how are you able to use that or any tools of advice that you'd say maybe that somebody is that's struggling with depression or maybe anxiety and trying to find themselves. And that's a big message. You know, we all say, let's go off and find ourselves or go inward and find ourselves, but it's never as easy as it sounds, right? We need to stop, you know, thinking it's easy. It's not. So what words of advice would you say? Look for support. Like bear in mind when I went traveling, I was doing tons of exciting stuff all the time. So I was just like, uh, blocking out the thoughts, you know, just carrying on. And like looking back, it was an incredible time. One of the best things I've ever done. It wasn't like I was moping around the whole time. It was coming back to reality, if you like, that that sort of unearthed some of the issues. Um, and so what I'd say to people is at that moment, you know, when when you start feeling that something isn't, isn't right or it's been going on for a while, because we all have periods when we're a little bit down and that's okay. But if it's like real persistent and a little lower than, and you're starting to think, hang on, maybe there's something out of whack here, whether that's depression, anxiety, feelings of anxiety, Ask for help, ask for support. Um, that's the first thing. Secondly, like I, I personally went to the doctor really for lack of a, any other ideas um, and I took antidepressants. Now, I wanted to come off those. Um, I think they can be really useful to give you a kick in the right direction, to put you in a mental space from which you can start to actually deal with some of the underlying issues. But after that, I think, you know, I didn't want to stay on medication. So, so then I think afterwards, you know, move off of that and, and definitely try some, some other approaches. Certainly if it's like serious mental health disorder, definitely speak to a, yeah. um, a psychologist for sure. Um, but, but yeah, like ask for help and support and don't put too much pressure on yourself because when you're burnt out and you've, and you're low and your mental health is poor, you can't perform at the same level as your old self used to. So if you expect that you're going to, comp- you're just going to disappoint yourself every time. And that's going to make you go downwards and downwards and downwards until it's really hard to get out to take things slow. Yeah. I think that one point of what you said, you know, you're, we're talking through your story and your and how you did what you did and how you, you've come to what you are now. You, you really faced significant burnout by the time you're 25, 26 years old, um, which doesn't usually kick in for some people that early. So that's something to, again, to test to that, Hey, look, you face this because you're grinding so hard. And now here's tools of advice to overcome this moving forward. So getting into, into that relation of building the business, building up mind and body coaching, you've created a 12 week 
coaching program, what does that target? What does that really look to transform? So the the main purpose of the program is to help like, ambitious guys. I work primarily with men um, and going forward really only uh, with guys. I have worked with women in the past, but for me, it's just I, I feel more of a connection. Um, the the three things that they can come out with is is primarily to, to lose lose fat and increase energy. Like that's the physical health side because a lot of guys who I, I speak to who are quite low are also not taking care of their physical health. So we've got to make sure that's looked after too. But the other part is like to become the best version of yourself, which requires an awful lot of, of mindset work. Because the stories that people tell themselves are just so negative. I, I was not immune to that at all. In fact, that was I was awful for that. You know, I, I used to leave the house at my mum's when I was living back there and I used to see an old neighbor and I'd think, he must think I'm such a loser. And I'm like, imagine being with that all day, you know, constantly. And I'm sure there are guys listening to this who can, who can relate where you don't, if you're going to be with that character in your head, that's going to cause a problem. So the idea is like nail the physical health, but really become the best version of themselves, get the mind, completely upgrade the mindset, raise your standards, but do so in a way that is sustainable and actually lasts. This isn't like six pack for summer. I feel like a boss on the beach, you know, that's great. You know, that's cool. But like, you know, it's better to, to get in shape physically and mentally and actually have that last. And that relies on behavior change, right? It relies on, on deep rooted behavior change and some self-awareness. That's the start. You know, you have to understand where you are to then upgrade the mindset and, and become a new, new person. Yeah, that that definitely, uh, I have to say, behavior shifts are the most powerful thing you can probably get somebody to focus into. And uh, in that relation, in that regard of just how you plan to take this forward and where you kind of see yourself going with that, how how does John, if you will, you change or help others change that behavior? So the moment I work one-on-one with, with people um, – and ultimately, it comes down to teaching fundamentals, of course, around around physical health um, and how to take care of mental health. But it's also about getting people to to create some self awareness around things like their values, you know, and also the vision of their identity. Who do they actually want to become? People don't know. They have an idea that they want to lose a bit of weight and feel better or whatever. But it's like, no. But really, who do you want to be? And then. You need to print that on the inside of your eyelids so you can see that the whole time, right? And so you know who you're working towards and it becomes much easier to start acting in line with that. You know, we can go through, with my clients, I go through coaching models to help them create some self-awareness around what their values are, who they are as an individual, who do they want to become, what's the identity they want to create. And then we can look at, okay, what are some of these, are you acting in line with that? You know, okay, you're doing this. Is that in line with the individual that, that you've you've created for for your future if the answer is no we need to work out what's what's going on right and that could be it doesn't matter what that is it sleep nutrition movement general behaviors thought patterns you know the mindset more broadly if you like um but it's to take these people on a on a journey and to really help them to to up level the way that they think um because it's so powerful it's so powerful um if you can change that it just changes your reality and the way that you you see the world um so yeah that's that's how it works. 
I have to say that's what I absolutely love about again the mind and the body coaching and and that relation to the art of mindset and that the actuality of why the podcast exists is again that the the art form of our mind art is a contextualized pattern basically of what we imprint into things that we've been telling ourselves or worlds that we've been seeing belief patterns that we've been upringed into and then the mind is imprinted in that and that's the beauty about art and also into your relation with the mind and the body and who we want to be is that it can be molded and changed in that relation to it so getting that way uh, and figuring that out as you're kind of growing in in yourself and where you plan to go what what do you think is probably the most fundamental change in the way in which you see human psychology, growth and evolution, whatever it be in the past five years? What's the newest belief or behavior habit that's been the most influential for you in the past five years? I think the, the most important thing for me is to focus on identity. Like who are you as, as an individual? What beliefs do you have as an individual? What stories are you telling yourself? And be very careful to actually become aware of those because these, these are on loop. These are automatic things. People don't even know they're telling themselves. When I first met my wife, she was like, God used to complain a lot. I didn't even see it. You know, you've got to create some self-awareness around those things. And so for me, it's getting really clear on the identity of the individual you want to become. What does that person believe? And then and get yourself around people that think like that podcasts that advocate for that you know if you have to just be plugged in all day to tony robbins or whoever great you know up the up level like love him or hate him someone like tony robbins is gonna have you thinking on a on a different level right the old classics like jim Rohn, these people right but get yourself around put yourself in an environment where you can start actually believing the things that your new identity needs to believe to become who they are and just be very clear and acting in line with your identity i think that's the big thing when there's a decision to be made don't make the decision based on who you are based on make the decision based on on who you want to be that's key because if you do that you ultimately act towards that identity james clear has a really good way of putting it where he talks about voting identity-based habits and he, he talks about voting in favor or against your new identity and I say to my clients, like every time you, you make a poor, in the case of nutrition, and I don't want to say poor nutritional choice, maybe when you make a choice that isn't aligned with your new identity, but is with your old, you make, you vote for that old identity and the votes add up. But if, you know, the reverse is true. If you're voting for the new identity, you're making choices that are more in line with your new identity and who you want to become. Those add up too. And over time you end up acting until you're literally, you are, you know, you look forward five years and you're like, I am that person now. And then there's a new identity in front of you and you keep growing, right? And it, it carries on. I think that voting thing is super powerful. It's a great analogy. I love some James Clear. I love his book, Atomic Habits. It gets into the really good insights into that. And I probably should pick it up again and read through it. Uh, but the voting aspect of, again, who are you buying into? Who, who are you casting your ballot for every single day? And is it your old self or is it your new self? And that takes reflection. Um, how did how did you reflect the most? Was it through journaling? Was it through meditation, mindfulness? Where did how did you find that you were on the right path to becoming the John you want to be? For me, I think uh, journaling has been a big part of it. Um, 
yeah, like writing for me, definitely. Like I've, I have meditated actually on and off for quite a few years, but I don't like, and I, and I actually do meditate reasonably often. Um, but I'm not like, I wouldn't call myself a meditator. So it's not like part of my identity piece, you see. So I, I'm, if anything, I actually try and live a mindful life as opposed to being like a meditator. So I'll occasionally meditate, but in short periods, I try and live mindfully. I think the bigger thing for me in terms of self-awareness and reflection has been journaling, which I have done very consistently um, for, for a number of years. And if you, people don't know how to start with journaling because they think there's a way to do it, but there's not, find some prompts and just get writing. You know, part the judgment and just write. It's like stream of consciousness. Tim Ferriss talks a lot about, um, I can't remember the lady who, who wrote the book, but it's Morning Pages by um, someone, Cameron. And um, that's just this idea of stream of consciousness. And the first page is going to be useless, but then, you know, things will start to come or try some prompts. Um, but then you start to get to know yourself. And if you look back, you'll start to see the same things coming up. So you can see some beliefs there. You know, things that you believe, things that you constantly think. Okay, maybe I need to challenge those if they're not moving me towards where I need to be. Can I can I actually think, okay, is, is that belief true? First of all, and if it isn't, which most of them aren't truths, can I get myself around an environment that can actually help me to, to believe something else? Do you think people need in that relation of the questioning of old selves or questioning of current self, depending on where you're at in your journey of journaling, when they reflect on that, do you believe somebody needs curiosity in relation to that? Do they need to have an innate or some type of curiosity to be willing to ask questions about why do they believe that? Yeah, hundred percent. You've got to, it's, it's very much like the mindfulness um, idea. You know, it's like meditation. You've got to be curious without judgment which is hard because it's you. The ego's popping up and being like, oh, no, that's not, no, no, stop writing. You know, but it's like, because you're literally, tr you're effectively trying to kill the ego. <laughs> yes. It's ego dead. Yes. doesn't want that. Yeah. Right? So it's understandable that there's going to be some resistance and that's okay, but you've just got to be curious and just write without judgment. And at first it's going to be hard and then you do it a little bit more and it gets a bit easier and then you do it more. But if you let the judgment get in the way, you'll stop and you won't be consistent enough to actually see some some patterns and to get the value from it. So as best you can, it's like curiosity, no judgment. Yeah. I, that's without a doubt, probably the strongest advice I've, I could give exactly that is just getting on that pages and writing out your thoughts and thought, writing out your brain. Like you said, stream of consciousness is just getting the words out of here into the paper. And, and as soon as you do that, you start to really see these, these stories and these holes and, all of this interesting such that's, that just comes to life and you, you can begin to really dissolve into that. Um, another, another thing actually while, while we're on the, the subject is I, I journal in the morning, but what's quite useful is to, to have a journal like nearby or have your journal and, and don't just have it like, oh, I can only write in in the morning. If, if something's coming up, right, it's not like you can only touch it in the morning, it's sacred. If something's coming up, just open it up and be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm feeling X. Just be curious about it. And actually, do you know what? It's okay. The, the other thing is like validating emotions. Emotions come up. It's not wrong to feel like that. You just feel like that. Okay. You know, and I, I, I used to, I used to think, I think we've all heard this thought. Once I get to X point, 
the feelings will go away. But the more that you listen to people who are incredibly successful, and in my case, I'm speaking about like business growth, those feelings, they don't disappear. You know, they still come up and there's just a different relationship with them. You, know, you, you choose to, if you choose to be of service and to add value to people, you can focus on them instead of, instead of your, your own feelings. Um, but it's important to understand what's happening there. So if some feelings are coming up, I'm feeling anxious. Okay, let's just ask, why could that be? Oh, well, it makes perfect sense because I'm doing something I've never done before and I'm slightly concerned about the outcome. Without a doubt. No. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, that, that comes up right away. And I, I think that's the thing is that people think that there's only a certain time I'm supposed to get up at XYZ and journal my thoughts. And then I don't pick it up again until tomorrow morning. There's no right or wrong way to do this. You know, the, the, if you're having a thought, write it down. If you have an inspirational thought, write it down. If you're having a sad thought, write it down. There's no wrong or set way of doing it. And that's the thing is we, we make things too complicated for ourselves. Uh, we need to simplify that process. With, with books, I have to say, moving the conversation a little bit forward here, I love to gift books. And I, I one of my favorite books to give, at least this year, has been A Man's Search for Meaning uh, by Viktor Frankl, I think his name is. It's a lovely book. I absolutely adore it. And I, I always pass it on just as the human psychology of pushing through difficult times. Is there a book for you that you always give or advise people that they should pick up and read? And if so, what is it? Um, I guess there would probably be two, if I'm allowed to. Um, the, the one we've already mentioned is Atomic Habits, which I just think is a – James Clay doesn't outline like necessarily new research on it. He just articulates it in an incredible way, a really, really he, – he's so clear in his writing that – it's just brilliantly simple to read um, and understandable. So I'd say that for, for, for habit formation, I just think it's huge. Um, and the other would be Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, um, which for me, because I'm so fascinated with the idea of identity, I think that book is just incredible because it, the synopsis that he's a, a plastic surgeon, uh, or, or he was, and... Um, he became interested in the fact that he could make the tiniest change to someone's face and it would complete like almost unnoticeable and it would completely change who, you know, who they are. And yet he could also make quite a big change to someone's face and they'd still be the same person. They'd act the same person. So he was like, something's going on here that's more than just the way that they look at themselves in the mirror. It's the way that they actually see themselves internally. So he starts to, to then, and then the book's obviously, it's, it's a lot more detailed than that, but it's basically about understanding your, your identity and, and getting very clear on on who you want to become. That's incredible. I got to add that to the reading list, man. That's something I have not picked up. It's definitely something I got to check out. It reminds me of a little bit of the placebo effect in, in relation to just taking a medicine and it doesn't do anything. It's a sugar pill, but we believe that it's going to do something. So it completely alters whatever it be, right? If it's a lose, lose weight, we take a sugar pill and it makes us lose weight just in belief and identity alone. So fascinating topic <laughs> definitely something yeah, no, it's, it's crazy and it shows you the power of the the, the subconscious mind uh, if you like and i'm not like a super woo woo guy um you know i i'd say i'm definitely more so than my old my old self for sure just because i've been more open-minded to these things but like it just makes a lot of sense 
there's actual there are scientific reasons to why that might actually be the case why, why you view yourself in a certain way and, and how we can actually move to change that and the subconscious is just so powerful the placebo effects like the most powerful effect in, in medicine right yeah it's literally nothing it's literally and yet, nothing and then it's uh, it's the most powerful I mean, medication out there that pharmaceutical companies yeah. cannot figure out how to sell <laughs> but exactly. uh if they could right so yeah, that's the thing is the power of the mind and it goes back to the art of the mindset. So it goes back to mind and body. It goes back to all these aspects of it. Um, we're coming to the tail end of the show. It's been awesome talking with you and, and getting into the journey of it. But I always have some closing questions for my guests. One of the questions is what excites you the most? What excites you the most about the future more specifically? Travel. Travel has now become a huge part of my life i love to travel like i've traveled a little bit less obviously recently because of of covid we, we've said mostly in colombia um yeah seeing new places exploring some different cultures um that was just like fortunate that i picked up the travel bug as they say like when i went backpacking i was just like wow this is incredible like seeing all these new cultures and and uh, so that definitely excites me for the future um growing my business because like at the moment I'm working one-on-one, -on -one, but I have plans to build this into something that can, that can scale, it can be group and I can bring coaches in underneath and we can just reach a lot more people. Um, and then ultimately I'd love to, I'd love to have that as a, as a business and a system that, that works by itself, of course, with, with me leading it, but then also build something that where I can help people to, to leave the corporate world and to build their own thing, right? Because that, that was something I lacked. I, I didn't have a mentor. I have since um, had business coaches, but when I left, that would have been helpful because the corporate world doesn't prepare you well for entrepreneurial thinking. And so you leave and you're like, oh, cool. It'd be cool to set up a business. How do I do that? You know, and like, of course you learn because you're curious, but like it's to have a mentor is invaluable. So that's something. And and then just, yeah, you know, building, the, building a family in the future. I love it. Yeah, I think those are good ones, especially travel. I think travel is something that uh, challenges you as an individual challenges is like you said an identity of just figuring out who and what we are and why we believe what we are and just immersing yourself in different cultures challenges a lot of that last question bringing it to the tail end here but if you had to give one piece of advice to a younger version of yourself or a young person or maybe even a teenager that's listening right now what would it be? Try some, try some different things. You know, like don't, don't think that just because you went into to, to one line of work or you tried one thing that that's got to be your life. That was what I thought because that's how my parents lived. You know, their generation, they were like lifers in what they did in their career. You, know, you, you start in banking, you end in banking. You start in you know, medicine, you end in medicine. Like whatever it is, insurance, you get insurance. Um, I'd say like don't be afraid to, to quit more often. You know, it doesn't make you a quitter or a loser. It actually it makes you curious. As long as it's like you're doing it for the right reasons, the quitting can be really powerful because it means you've just cut off a, another route. You've opened up a load of, load of others that could be potentially bad for you. So be willing to try and be willing to quit more. I think that's strong. Yeah. Again, just figuring out yourself, growing amongst the way and learning what really matters to you. And if you stay in one mindset of thinking, you're, you're going to kind of possibly miss some opportunities there. So be an expansive mind throughout all that. So John, it's been great having you on the show. I think this has been a real pleasure. And uh, I want to say thanks again for coming on the show. Mate, thank you for having me. And that's this episode of The Art of Mindset. 
with your host, me, Brian LeSage. If you're looking to get more content from John, be sure to head over to his LinkedIn page in the show notes description below. He also has a 12-week coaching program that's designed to help any business owner that's looking to lose 20 to 30 pounds and completely transform their own lives. If you're looking for more of that, I recommend you head over to his LinkedIn page to find out that. And as always, don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button to never miss an upcoming episode or new releases. And as always, stay curious. Keep expanding. Keep expanding.